Hello there. You're listening to episode one of Existential. Yep. Go crazy, folks. Go crazy. I am so excited for you to hear the conversations that we've been having. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much for being here on the ground floor with me as we begin to explore issues of justice, faith, and culture together. Now, let me tell you why we call the podcast Existential. This is not a philosophy podcast. For those of you that got onto this thinking it was a philosophy podcast, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to trick you. The reason we call it Existential is because we want to explore issues that we face in our world from the human perspective, beginning with the human subject, beginning with what makes us all human. What do we have in common? We all feel love. We all feel grief. We all feel anger. We all feel excitement when we enter into something that feels adventurous. But oftentimes, if you turn on your television or if you look at your social media feed, You'll find that people are going back and forth about issues with little regard for the fact that all of us are human beings. Now, I'm not saying that this podcast is aimed at having all of us just join hands and sing Kumbaya and ignore the fact that there are maladies of the human soul, like xenophobia, racism, homophobia, and the list goes on and on. There are hateful people in the world. There are people who just want to see the world burn. And this is not a podcast that says that there are good people on both sides. There are some people in the world who are evil and who do stir up violence and hatred in the name of their tribe. And we condemn all of that stuff on this podcast. And while we acknowledge that people like that are in the world, they are not the focus of this podcast. This is a podcast aimed at showing us our connection to one another. I want you to hear stories from my life and the life of others, things that they've experienced, things that they're wrestling with, things that I'm wrestling with, things that I'm thinking about. And I want you to hear those things from human beings who you know and have heard from and have heard about their families and their fears and their loves and their excitements and their disappointments. Because in the middle of that humanity, I think we'll learn something from each other. I think we'll grow. I think we'll see that we're not that different. So yes, this podcast is about peace. It's about love. It's also about telling the truth. So in this first conversation I want to share with you, I talked to a friend of mine who I've known for a very, very long time. He is one of the godliest people that I've ever met. And I don't say godly in a religious sense. I say godly in a sense that what you would expect from a divine being in terms of love and kindness and compassion and forgiveness. My friend Ro shows me an example of what that looks like in a human being. Now, Him and his wife were sitting in a parking lot together and they experienced something that I want you to hear about. I want you to hear about it because you've probably heard stories like this before and maybe you never knew the person who experienced it and maybe it was easy for you to think that that person was just getting what they deserved. But I want you to hear from this husband and father a story of an ordinary situation 
They got real extraordinary real fast. Take a listen. This is Existential, the podcast that reminds us that we're human first before we're anything else. And from that place, we can hear each other's stories, ideas, and experiences as we talk about issues of justice, faith, and culture. I'm your host, Corey Leak. Thanks for listening. What's up, everybody? Uh, This is Corey, and I'm here today with my guy, Rolando Lamb. He is a husband and father, a poet, an author, just all around great dude, great ideas, great thoughts, very deep, probably read 16 books a day. Um, so Rose here, Rose, say what's up. What's good, love? Thank you for having me, man. I appreciate it. Man, I'm glad you're here. So you had an incident that happened in a parking lot. It, this is an incident that it isn't new. You had it and you were in it. And, and so why don't you tell us a little bit about like what happened uh, when you were in the parking lot? Well, um, well, first off, again, you know, I appreciate you having me, having me on to just talk about this and, and to, to share my story. You know, um, I think in situations like this, one of the most powerful things that we have is our story and our experience, you know. Um, so I'm, I'm going to pick my sister up. Um, my brother just had a, his first baby in Charlotte, North Carolina. And so I was going to pick my sister up so that we could, you know, head up and see the family. And so my sister lives in like this apartment complex. And so I was trying to figure out where I wanted to park. And I look across the street and there was an empty parking lot. And so I just said, you know, I'm going to just, I'll just wait there for her across the street. So I pull into the parking lot and, you know, there was nobody there or I thought nobody was there. So I didn't park in a parking space. I just, you know, I just sort of posted up just like in the middle of the parking lot, like just random, you know? Um, and so we sit there for probably about five minutes again, waiting for my sister to come out. And then I see this Toyota truck pulling into the, to the parking lot. So I'm like, okay, well maybe I might be in the way now. So I go to sort of move and then I look up to just sort of, you know, get confirmation from the driver. Like, you know, how, you know, what do you want to do? You know? And when I'm, I'm looking at her and I could just see immediately like in her face, just anger, just written on her face. And so I, I'm, I'm looking and I'm like, you know, what is she upset about? Like this, I thought maybe something else had happened or so I'm just looking like what's going on. And she's like, eyeing me, like, she's ready to fight me. And I'm like, and now I'm in the car with my wife and my, my three sons. So I'm like, what, you know, what's going on? And, and I'm, again, we're looking at each other and I see her Now I don't hear her say it, but I read her lips and she says it clear as day. She's like, you know, F U F N N word. And I'm just like, I'm like, wait, I'm like, what, who is she talking to? Now, initially I was like, I'm going to just let it slide. Like, I'm not going, you know, there's nothing, you know, whatever. She's in her car. I'm in my car. Like, it's not a big deal, whatever. Um, I'm still processing it though. Like, yo, cause that's never happened to me before. Like I've never been in a situation where somebody said that like that, you know? Okay. And so she pulls around and again, I'm not in the, I'm not hindering her from parking. So she pulls around me and parks. And so I'm like, and I can see her, she's still looking at me as she's going to park. And I'm like, what? This is crazy. So she gets out of her car and I see her like using her phone and I'm like, what is she doing? And then I see her walk off. So I'm like, okay, she's walking off. 
And then I just check my mirrors and I see her behind me taking pictures of my car. Really? So I'm like, what is, I'm like, are you serious? So I put the car in reverse. I back up. I put the window down. And I'm like, hey, do we have an issue? I'm like, what, what's the problem? What's going on? And she says, you know, well, I just get really upset when people don't park in parking spaces. And she's like going through this. And I'm like, you're upset because I didn't park in a parking space. I'm like, there's nobody, there's nobody here, you know? And so she's like, well, you, why can't you park right there? And I'm like, mm. I'm like that to me, that has nothing to do with anything. You know what I'm saying? Um, but, but then I say, I, I say, well, I just want to let you know that you should watch your language. I say, because, because I saw what you said. And, and she's like, she's, she tries to sort of play it off and, you know, well, I just get really upset. I get frustrated. She's like going through this whole thing. And then I'm like, okay, you know, whatever. And then she pulls out her phone. Like she's about to call the police. And I'm like, what do you, I'm like, what's going on? Like, why are you, why are you act like you go call the police? Right. Right. And she's like, well, I just don't trust you. What are you doing here? And I'm like, I'm waiting for my sister to come outside. I'm picking her up. We're about to leave. I'm waiting for my sister. And she's like, well, I don't trust you. I'm calling the police. So I'm like, I'm like, so first of all, you said F you to me in your car. And then you, you call me the N word while you're in your car. And she's like, no, I did not. I did not say that. No, I didn't. I'm like, I'm look, I was looking right at you. Like I, I, you know what you said. And I know what you said. So she's like, oh, I'm, I'm definitely going to call the police. So she pulls out her phone and she starts to dial. And, th- and this, is where I, this is where I felt like she was weaponizing it, right? Mm-hmm. She starts to dial and then she looks up at me and says, oh, oh, do you want me to call the police? Hmm. And I say, do I look scared to you? And she says, what? I say, do I look afraid? Now, inwardly, I was thinking like, yo, this could go really bad for me. <laughs> <laughs> like this could go crazy, but I really, I'm like, no, nah, I'm not afraid. Like it is what it is. You do what you got to do, but I haven't done anything to you. And she's like, well, you, all the things that you've called me today. I said, Oh, what if I called you? I, all I said was you should watch your language. I didn't call you anything, you know? And so we go back and forth and mm. then she's like, well, I'm leaving, but I'm gonna call the police and I have your license plate number. So she, she gets in the car, she drives off, um, and she thought we had left because my sister came out really shortly after that. So we went out, picked my sister up, and she thought we had left, and she came back. And we see her. My wife said as we were driving off, she could see her walking. Into, she was heading into church. She was walking into church. And as we're driving off, she's flicking us off as we drive off. And that was the story. Wow. So, okay, so you, you're in an empty parking lot with your wife, and your three sons. How old are your sons? Um, trio is five. Kingston is four. And Zion is two. Wow. Little black boys sitting in the backseat of your car. Right. You see this lady mouth some extremely racist remarks because she doesn't like yeah. how you're parked in an empty parking lot. In this moment, did you feel detached from your family like were you still like aware you know my kids are in the car my wife's in the car or were you just really zoned in on this woman and what's what's going on outside your car well when she was when she started to take at first i was cool like it wasn't an issue for me but when she started to take picture of my license plate that's when i started to think about oh i need to protect my family because i didn't know what was going on from that point you know um 
So my first thought was, yeah, I got to protect my family. But then once I got into the conversation, then it was sort of like I was zoned out at that point. You know what I'm saying? Because mm-hmm. it was like, you know, I just felt, I just felt as soon as she started talking about the cops and, it, and this is what I was telling one of my friends yesterday. I wasn't even, I wasn't so much upset at what she said to me until she started talking about the cops, because then I felt like, Oh, now you're really putting, I felt like you're putting my life in danger. That's how I felt. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So, so that's, that's the part I find really interesting. Cause I had a, I had a similar situation last week. Um, I actually talked about it on my Facebook and, and asked people if they felt like the incident was racist, which in hindsight, I, I'm the more I, the more I remove myself from the situation, I think doesn't even matter whether or not they thought it was or not. It's, it's all about really when I'm in the, when I'm in a situation, um, what do my instincts naturally tell me about what's going on? But, um, the woman I was dealing with also said that she had called the police and this was because I, a part of my car was blocking her driveway. Um, and I, I don't know about you. I kind of like, there's a part of me that, that wants an altercation with the police, um, that I walk away from, but there's another part of me that isn't sure I would walk away from altercation with the police. So it's like that, it's that dice roll. Now you talked about, you know, outwardly not being afraid, but inwardly sort of thinking, you know, this, this could go bad for me. Could you talk about like what you felt when you actually thought about the police showing up in that moment? And also talk about what you have felt and thought that in hindsight, right. thinking about whether the police showing up. Yeah. Well, I, I think for me, so when I was a kid and I, I'm going to bring it back around, bear with me. When I was a kid, I was bullied a lot. And when I got when I got to high school, I remember one of my basketball coaches telling me, bro, you know, you can't let these guys push you around. Somebody push you, you push back. It doesn't matter how you feel inside. You might be scared, but if somebody push you, you push them back. Hmm. And that really that that has become a, a defining thing for me in my life. From the standpoint of if when I feel like I'm in danger, like it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if I lose the fight or if, you know, if I'm going to lose my life, it doesn't matter. I have to stand my ground because that's what I'm supposed to do. Regardless of, I think I can win or I think I can, you know, I can, I can get an advantage. That doesn't matter. I have to stand my ground because that's what I'm supposed to do. Hmm. So in a situation like that, where she says, Hey, you know, I'm a, I'm gonna call the police because I know that she's trying to scare me. She's trying to intimidate me. Even though I'm thinking, wow, this could this could really go bad for me. Like I might not walk away from this. That really doesn't matter anymore because now you're trying to bully me. You know what I'm saying? You're trying to you're trying to intimidate me. You're trying to you're trying to get me to 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 back down. And I can't do that. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um and so that's that was my thinking in the situation. Um in hindsight, looking back. If I had to go back and do the same thing again, I would do the same thing again. And even as I think, like, what if I had died behind that? I still I still can't see myself backing down. You know, I still can't see myself saying, "Okay, well, you got it. You got it. Because I can't allow you to, you know, intimidate me and and back me into a corner Mm. so that now you feel justified in acting however it is you feel that you want to act. You know what I'm saying? Oh, for sure. Now, what did your what did your wife say? Well, I asked her. I said, I said, babe, how'd you feel? 
Like, how, you know, what were you thinking? What was going through your mind? And she said, you know, she didn't see the lady, you know, pull into the driveway. She wasn't paying attention to any of that. So when she saw me back up, she was like, what's going on? And then I put the window down. I started talking. She didn't really know what was happening. But she said as soon as the lady started to mention police that she was going to call the police, that's when the video starts. So the, the video doesn't start at the very beginning of the altercation. The video starts when she says, I'm going to call the police. Mm. And, and my wife said she was thinking if the police come, it could it could go one of two ways. It could go, you know, well, what happened here, ma'am, it doesn't look like he did anything to you you know, it's squashed or it could go. They just believe what she says. Mm. And, you know, I go, I get arrested or, you know, worse, you know what I'm saying? So as soon as she heard that, that's when she pulls out her phone and she starts to record because she want to be able to say, well, this is what happened. So for your wife, police was an automatic triggering to say, she said, police, I need to hit record. As a, as a matter of defense, really. My, she, she felt like my only defense in the situation for my husband, father of my kids, is for me to get all of this recorded. Right. Man. Yeah, it's, uh, it's wild, man, because I, I don't think a lot of people realize how quickly an ordinary situation like this can turn deadly for a black man like you. Right. It's not a huge leap for this incident to go from I parked in an empty parking lot in a way that a white woman wasn't happy with to I was shot and killed by a police officer and now Rolando Lamb is to the right of a hashtag. I mean, listen, the Philando Castile situation was a routine traffic stop. Right. Tamir Rice was a little boy playing with a toy gun right. outside. Both of these men were shot and killed by the police. So it's not far-fetched to think that your life was in mortal danger if the police showed up. I'm glad the police never showed up. I'm glad this situation remained ordinary. I'm glad you're able to tell this story. I know you were able to blog about it. Was that therapeutic for you? Did you find that being able to blog about it helped you to deal with the situation? I mean, I, I think it was. I think... You know, there, there's always something about, you know, sitting down and um, just taking the time to to organize it, so to speak. Because, mm -hmm. you know, when it's in your brain and, you know, it's, it's in your heart, it's just sort of swirling around and you're trying to catch it. Like, what is it? You know, you're trying to you're trying to process it with no real you know structure. So for me, being able to put it on paper and, and write it out and then going back to read it and look at it, um, it's definitely um, you know, therapeutic and, and helpful for, for my process, you know? Yeah. So, um, did you, did your kids have any questions? I mean, you, you know, your, your oldest is five. So I, I imagine, uh, he'd been the most aware of what's happening. Did, did he have any questions? Did you have any conversations with him? Well, he actually, he actually didn't say anything. My youngest son, as soon as she drove off, my youngest son, who's two, he said, what happened, daddy? What happened? Mm. And I just said, you know, some people, some people are rude and they don't think you're going to say anything to them. Um, because I think she, she didn't think I would address her or confront her. Mm. So as soon as she got confronted, you know, I think, and that's what I was telling my wife when she says, I don't trust you. 
what she was saying was she she was afraid. She was scared. Um, yeah, for whatever, for sure. whether whether it's validated or justified, like she was afraid. Now, 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 now let's let me let, let me stop there for a second. So she was afraid. I want I want I want you to describe what 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 was so menacing about you as you sat there with your wife and and kids in the back seat. Like were you were you wearing a do rag? <laughs> <Did, laughs> were you like what like what I mean? Did you, did you did you have like a gold grill in your mouth? Like like what? What what is it that she would have looked at you and saw and been? Were you wearing your glasses? Did you have your glasses on? I was wearing my my clear glasses. You're right. Okay, you were wearing your clear glasses. Clear <laughs> glasses. Like what 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 kind of shirt were you wearing? Describe yourself so we can all get a picture of what would have been so scary for this woman. Man, you know, I was I was wearing a pair of of like black like basketball like mesh basketball shorts. Mm-hmm. And I had on like a like a mesh like baseball jersey type shirt. Um, may, maybe it was my pregnant wife. That, you know, <laughs> Very scary. Three little kids in my my Honda van. I, I don't know. I don't know. And you were in a minivan, a Honda minivan. Yeah, I was in a, was in a minivan. <laughs> wow. Okay. Uh, that's that sounds that sounds that sounds menacing, bro. That sounds menacing. So now you were saying like she said she said I don't trust you, and you knew that meant that she was afraid. Um, and I, that's where I cut you off. Yeah. I mean, I, I, and that was one of the things I told my wife, like she was afraid and my wife was like, well, what was she afraid of? Like, what, what is there to be afraid of? And I was like, I don't know. But the reality is she was afraid. Hmm. Um, and so I think that, you know, that's the thing. It just, I think she was really just caught off guard. Number one, because, and this is one of the things I put in the blog, you know, we're, we're in this society. It's like, we're used to being able to have our opinions and say what we want to say behind like this invisible screen. So we have like, you know, our Twitter, we have our Instagram and we have, you know, we can, we can make these comments and nobody can really check us on it, you know, or you see people driving and they get road rage and they do certain things mm-hmm. that they would never do. They would never talk to somebody to like, they would never say certain things to certain people's faces if they were standing in front of them. But when you're on the highway and you're going 70 miles an hour, you feel, quote unquote, safe, you know. And I think she felt, quote unquote, safe in, behind her, you know, in her car. And then when I put that window down and I said, do we have an issue? I think then it turned into, oh, wait. You know, like now I'm I'm really in something now. You know what I'm saying? Right. Um, for sure. And the only thing that she felt could protect her at that moment was, oh, I need to call the police. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I, they, they're going to protect me. I need to call the police. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They're, they're, the police are going to take my side, a white woman over this black, this young black man. That's my defense. That's how I feel safe. And honestly, I think it's big of you to acknowledge that she felt afraid, that she had those feelings because that makes her human. Right. She felt something that maybe you or I would not have felt or maybe we would have, but she felt it. You are a black man in the same parking lot as her church, and she was afraid. And those are her feelings. Feelings are, are, are neither um, right nor wrong. They just are. Right. And, and her, what she felt is a, comes from a long, long period of, of misunderstanding blackness, misunderstanding what a black family sitting in a parking lot could mean. Um, and assuming that they all mean the same thing, because there are times that are, that 
a black, someone black sitting in a parking lot could mean something dangerous. But guess what? There's times where somebody white sitting in the parking lot could mean something dangerous. Right. Um, you know, to recognize that she was afraid and, and the way you've analyzed it, I think is really, 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 really smart, really, really helpful uh, for all of us that are listening, especially all of us that are black, that could be in a potential situation like that. Um, and last thing I want to ask you, um, I've, I've been thinking about this whole time was are how sure on a scale of one to 10 with 10 is like, there's no way she could have possibly said anything else. And one being, man, I, I don't, I'm not really sure, but it seemed like she probably said it. How sure are you that she said F you, you effing nigger? I'm going to say nine. Dang. I'm going to say nine because again, it wasn't like, it wasn't like, you know, like I just happened to catch, like we were looking at each other, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And the only mm-hmm. reason I say nine is just because I'll, I'll give that one, I'll get that benefit of the doubt. But I know what she's saying. And she, and she knows what she said the way she responded when I said it, like she, she, she knew what she said. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, dude, man, I really appreciate you taking the time to share this story, man. And any, any, anything else you want to say, to anybody might be listening, anybody with small children, um, you know, any parents, any husbands, you know, that, that might find themselves in a similar situation. Anything that you've learned from this situation that you want to pass on? Man, um, you know, that's a really good question. When I, when I was writing the blog, I, it took me a long time to make the title because I really wanted to find um, the lesson. Uh, I really wanted to find the the takeaway, the 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 positive thing that I could give people, you know, like you're asking me. And if, if I'm keeping it 100, I really don't know what that positive thing is, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but mm-hmm. but I told somebody, I told somebody else about what happened, and one of the things that he told me was, he said, you know, thank you for telling me, and he said you you shouldn't have to deal with these things by yourself. And so sharing this story. You telling me what happened. Now I can tell you that I love you. You're valued. You're worth something. And I'm glad you're here. Mm -hmm. And I think Mm -hmm. the biggest thing is when we have these moments or we know people who have these moments or we see things happening in society, um, I think the biggest thing that we could do is honor each other's stories Mm -hmm. um, and just be there for one another. Um, Because a lot of times these things can make you feel so powerless. Um, and it's like, at some point it's like, I don't know what we can do about this. I don't know, you know, what the next steps are, but I'm glad that we can stand here together, um, in a unified, you know? Um, and so I think that's the thing, like, just, just be there for your people, love your people, tell your people you love them. Yeah, man. Well, man, and that's, that's why I text you after you sent us the video and I was like, bro, um, are you good? Because... You know, it's, I don't know if it's just a guy thing or what it is, but but sometimes when we have things like this happen and our friend and, and we let people know about it, the people we let know about it don't often know how to respond. Right. And, and oftentimes maybe don't even think about the fact that there may be an emotional like toll that this situation has taken uh, on, on, on you, you know, and, and I, and I knew you were, I knew you were mad, but beneath that anger was something else. And I'm like, man, I, I just want to be, I just want to be there. I want to be a part of the community that, that rallies around, you know, my brother when something like this happens, because you know, that, that, that community is healing and that, and you're right. I think that probably is a lesson is that like when these things happen, when you become aware of them, um, 
man, be human right, and be present because we hear this stuff so much and we see so many of these things happen. We can lose sight of the fact that when an everyday person is in a minivan with their family, their wife, their kids, and has an interaction like this, regardless of whether it ends tragically or police get involved or not, it's a very, very real situation. Right. And the absence of the theatrics and the drama doesn't make it any less hurtful. So I think that's, I think that's, I'm glad you said that. I mean, it's important for us to recognize that what other people are dealing with, especially when it comes to these kind of situations, it's important for us to rally around them. So, man, I'm so glad you could tell the story. I really appreciate you. I appreciate your openness. I appreciate what you've shared with us. Ro is definitely somebody that you'll be hearing again on this podcast. Thank you all for listening. And Ro, thanks so much for being here, my brother. Thank you, brother. Appreciate you, man. I hope you enjoyed that conversation half as much as I did. Now, if you'd like to stay in touch with Ro, you can do so by going to the show notes. We have his social media handles there, so you can follow him on Instagram and follow him on Twitter. I don't think you'll regret doing that. I'd like to thank Comfort Fit for the music. The song is called Sorry. You can uh, leave us a review. Tell us what you think of the podcast. We'd love for you to share this with your friends and family and neighbors. There's no limit to how many people you can share this with. I think you know this already, but I'll tell you anyway. If you subscribe to this podcast, you'll never miss one. Ultimately, we're just really glad you listened. And we hope that you'll join us in contending for a better world, one conversation at a time. Thank you.